All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning into the Honest Defense podcast. Today, my guest is Ryan McDonald. Ryan is a professional MMA fighter. He's a UFC veteran with a professional record of 11 and 2. He's the owner and coach of 691 on 1 MMA Fitness in his hometown of North Platte, Nebraska. And he's coming off an impressive finish last week at Art of Scrap 3 against fellow UFC veteran Willie Gates. Ryan, thanks so much for being here, man. It's it's an honor. Heck yeah, likewise, man. It's it's super cool um just to get uh you reaching out. I don't know if you're from Fort Wayne, but uh you'll have to fill me in on yeah. your story. But it's 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 really cool that you reached out and, and that we can do this. Yeah, I, I got family in Fort Wayne and so I heard there was a fight in town and so I tried to get to as many fights as I can and yeah. saw your fight. We sat next to a couple guys from your gym, so it was it was cool kind of getting to talk to them. So I was already rooting for you before I even saw you. Nice. And your fight was just it was just incredible. And I want to get into all of those details because the way you handled the fight and the, the poise that you had after taking a couple big hits, it was just, it was incredible, man. It was, it was exhilarating to watch that fight. So first tell me, so the fight was, was a week ago now. Tell me how the recovery is going and how you're feeling after that. Yeah, it's crazy. Honestly, the fight feels like it was like two, maybe three days ago. It's crazy that it's already been seven whole yeah. days, you know? Uh, yeah. The recovery is, is the toughest part because I enjoy training so much that um, you know, I got to come back right into coaching and, and got to do that, but, uh, I enjoy training so much and, and your legs are beat up after fights, your, your hands hurt, you know, um, I can't do any sparring for quite some time because I got put on my butt and, uh, and, and just to be the smarter, um, athlete, I need to take care of my, my brain and, uh, you know, take recovery time from, from, physical contact like punching and and stuff like that and we actually got guys competing on thursday this upcoming week on veterans day so it, it's tough because you know they're all priming to go and and, and i have to kind of take the back step and and just play coach for right now but i enjoy both sides of the game so and it seems like that's really evolved, you know, from kind of the earlier days of MMA, that guys are really are smarter about the recovery and, and realizing, hey, I can't go 100% all the time because I, I got to protect my body, protect my brain, because that's that's all part of, of your career. It is, yeah. And uh, I've seen it time and time again when you take a, a big knockdown like that and then you hop into a cage, you know, two months later, three months later, and the same thing happens. Or, or worse, you get knocked out because you're – you know, that's your biggest muscle and it's, it's just swelling inside your head. So yeah, you got to take care of it for sure. So, so what have you been doing the past seven days? Is it a lot of, I know you have a Twitch stream. Is it just a lot of hanging out, playing mm -hmm. video games? Is there, is there something you're doing actively to help yourself recover? Yeah. So I wish I could say that I've just been gaming out, but <laughs> I've been so tired that yeah. really it's just a bunch of eating and, and coaching. And, and that's been the kind of the, the last couple of days for me. And uh, I mean, obviously the travel, we got to, uh, we, I drive up to Fort Wayne a lot, um, just because I love to stop in Chicago and, and, and stuff like that and just get to travel. And, and my parents, I was kind of sheltered as a kid and my parents got to go up there and, and we've never had, um, deep dish Chicago style pizza and we're a big pizza family. So it was cool afterwards eating with my nephew, my brother and my family. And yeah, it was awesome. Where'd you go? Uh, we went to Geno's, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a good spot. That's a good spot. Yeah. Awesome. So I want to talk more about the fight, but let's I always like to ask people about kind of how they grew up because that always fascinates me how you know your your childhood led to where you are now. So talk to me about growing up in North Platte and, and what your childhood was like. Were you were you a fighter as a kid? Tell me all that. 
Yeah, I would say I like to say that I was the the toughest of my brothers. Um, but I think it came from the kind of the school I was in. We went to um like the smaller of the elementary schools and 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 kind of like we lived on the side of town where there was a bunch of trailer parks. I, I grew up in a trailer park, so um it, yeah, it was a lot of tough kids and, and, and growing up that way. And, and I remember a certain point where my oldest brother, uh, put me and my best friend at the time in our backyard and made us box when we were in kindergarten. And we both ran to our parents crying, like they made us fight. Our older brothers made us fight. And, and we went home, we went to school the next day with black eyes and they were like, what happened? Why'd you guys get into a fight? And then we told the whole story and we made up, we we're friends again, but was the purse at least good? Did they pay you well? <laughs> no purse. <laughs> it was on a, on a mattress. And it was like, if you don't beat each other up, then we're going to beat you up. And, oh, and my older brother's five years older than me. So, uh, yeah, it was like, okay. But right. And, and like I said, I like to think that I was the toughest brother because my brothers didn't get into fights. Yeah. My brothers were just the, they would talk a lot of crap and pen it off on me, push it off on me. So, yeah, that's that's it was weird growing up. You know, I got a younger brother, too, and he always likes to blame me for all of his scars. He always likes to bring up all the stories about about me creating games that that only I could win. And <laughs> I say he's a doctor in the Air Force now. He's doing pretty well. I made him the man he was. So I think <laughs> if I'm going to take your older brother's side, I'm going to say they they built you to, to be a professional yeah. fighter. man. How many oh, brothers yeah. do you have? Um, I have two brothers. Um a stepbrother and a stepsister. Okay. Okay. And so when did you start training formally in martial arts? Uh, well, I, I boxed for a summer, um, my freshman, uh, coming off my freshman year of high school, um, did that for a summer. And I was kind of one of those kids that you see that pops in the gym that, you know, might, might come one day a week or something. And, and so I, I really struggled with, discipline and staying um just active you know staying consistent and so uh i did that and i really enjoyed it but it was because of the friend group that i had they were all boxers they were competing i had some buddies that uh did really well in the in the golden gloves tournament and and just seeing that and being kind of the out of my friend group i was the uh the softest of all of us, you know, and I would get picked on by all my friends and they, they just kind of take turns beating me up. And, and again, it kind of made me the, the man I am. And, and, uh, it's funny that we all joke around about it now because of all the guys that would have been fighters, it wouldn't have been me. Right. You know, I rolled with like some tough guys who, uh, all my friends were Mexican and had, uh, really Hispanic, uh, backgrounds and, and, uh, growing up and, and hanging out with their families and, and kind of like, it was a different culture because, you know, I come from a white family and you just don't see a lot of boxers, Mexican families, you know, there's a lot of boxers in the family. And, and so I, like, I think in a sense at that early age, I seen those people and, and seen my friends competing and it, it just kind of inspired me like, subconsciously you know i didn't put a lot of thought into it but but now that i'm doing it i just enjoy it and, and love it, it to death 
were you always because I, I, if I remember your stats right, I think you're five eleven and you fight at one hundred and thirty five pounds. Were you always just kind of the skinny kid growing up? Is that I was? You, yeah. you weren't, you weren't going to be the fighter. It was just because of that. Yeah, hold on. I'll see if I can pull up. Because <laughs> I got a picture on my wall here. I gotta see it. Because <laughs> that, I mean, to me, that alone takes takes some kind of discipline just to be able to maintain that weight. Okay, let's see if I can find my look at look at my senior picture. Right <laughs> Goodness sakes. Yeah, yeah, okay. So maybe it's not a lot of discipline to maintain that weight. Maybe that's just your there natural was, metabolism. There was the basketball pick, you know, okay. real scrawny, I same height, you know. Yeah, just a real <laughs> scrawny kid. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So how did you go? Were you watching like UFC? Were you watching MMA back then, or were you were you strictly boxing? Um, we were watching MMA, but I don't even think I realized it was a sport. Like that's how young and naive I was. You know, I I mean, I seen we we played a lot of the video games and stuff, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I ever like saw it as a career path until I started training, and, and that was my junior year and then i started you know training and uh went to a local gym that was downtown and it was about it was open for about shoot i think two months probably while i was there like and then it ended up closing down um they had been going for a while but uh yeah once i started training i was just like this is so cool and and yeah. it just you know i loved there's not a lot of people that enjoy losing but you know like every time somebody would catch me in a submission or or hit me with something i'd never seen it was just like such a curious mind and i'm and this is this is crazy show me that show me that you know that's the only way you get better is you have to have that curiosity you know the people who take losses so harshly and so personally aren't the ones that that learn and grow from it you have to be able to be like oh man he got me how did he get me i want to know yeah. i want to learn that so i can do that to someone else and make sure it doesn't happen to me again i mean i think that's the only mindset you can have to be successful when you're doing yeah. i mean not just even martial arts i think anything if you're trying anything to grow yeah. yeah yeah so you started out boxing were you thinking of boxing as a career or did you have did you have another idea of what you wanted to do after high school i think in high school i was so like fixated on basketball like like i i really loved basketball and and you could catch me at the rec center probably five days a week you know shooting shooting hoops and, and playing basketball with my friends but um so you thought it'd be weird for a white kid to go into boxing but not weird to go into basketball right right and and the thing was is i was really good like at basketball skill wise but as a team thing i could never make it work I, for whatever reason me and the uh, the kids on the team, we didn't really click at the time. I mean, we all do now, but uh, it's kind of an awkward, anxious kid, and and didn't really know how to talk. And and when you when you're raised with a bunch of Mexican friends and uh, African American friends, like I had this this chip on my shoulder, and I was acting different because of the the tough crew that I hung out with, and so a lot of the, the, the kids on the basketball team was like, this kid's a dork. You know, they had like, they had names for me. Like they would call me Wigger and they would call me uh, G U not and stuff like that. And they would make fun of the way that I acted. Cause I wore baggy pants and, and yeah, it was just, 
it's just different. So, and that's some people are just built. I I can only compare it to you. I've I've done a little bit of stand up and I've done a little bit of acting. And what I love about stand up versus acting is that it's just me on that stage with my material that I've created. So I don't have to rely on anyone else, and I don't have anyone else to blame. It's one hundred percent me. And when I when I do acting, I'm like, you got to worry about everyone else and and how the how the cast clicks. And you got to worry about them learning their lines and worry about how you're reading someone else's lines. Yep. There's something I like about that individual pursuit of, hey, it's all on me for better and for worse. Mm-hmm. And I just think that's a personality thing. That's why you see like these these teams, these really good basketball teams and these really good teams in general in sports, they have to have such a good connection, like personally and individually that for these things to like go right. And yeah. and and that's why yeah, fighting's awesome because it's yeah. just a solo sport and you don't have to worry about all that. But but as much, I, I need to give props to um, the, the guys that cornered me. Um, they're two of my students and uh, I thought they did a phenomenal job and, and probably my best corners and, and so far, like as far as the whole, my whole career, I've been fighting since 2012 and they did such an awesome job. And, and I thought that they both, it was the first time them both, being in the corner together and and them having like the leadership role of commanding the corner and, and they did such a great job and uh, I th- I was sweating a little bit for them that because they you know they have a lot of respect for me and they don't want to mess up so I thought that they were going to get nervous and and overly anxious and kind of you know mess up certain things like bringing in the um, the water and just, you know, certain things like that and, and what you say to your athlete when they're competing, but they did, they just did such a great job and it was really cool to see. Well, it's just, it's obvious you had such a good strategy because early on, you, you know, you stood and you traded shots with him for a while and he got a couple of good ones in and then eventually you took him down. And I think you realized, oh, you could completely control him. You got him, you got him in this body lock that he just didn't know how to get out of, didn't know what to do. And I, it seemed like you, you stuck to that strategy. Once you realized you had him there, you stuck to that strategy in the later rounds. That's how you ended up being able to finish him because you just, you just absolutely controlled him on the ground. Yeah. Um, and ideally, I don't like to go into a fight thinking like this is a game, you know, the game plan. This is what I got to stick to because we all know those change. And, and like I came out – my game plan, I was going to throw front kicks because I knew that he liked to throw front kicks. And and in my eyes, I thought I was a better front kicker. So I wanted to bait out his front kicks and then have some counters. Um, and then the fight just completely did not go that way, right? And, and, and so you have to just adapt on the fly. And it's so crazy, yeah, to like – I don't know what it is about me and and – how the how I recover from some of these shots, but it's it's nearly the same every time I get put on my butt, and and it's been three times now. Uh, every time I get put on my butt, I fall the same way, and and I'm and I'm I look so focused. Like if you if go back and watch the fight, once you know I get dropped, it's like that's a scary moment for most people. But for whatever reason, you can like see the focus in my in my face and in my eyes, and. It's 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 just weird. It's just yeah. a weird thing to I, still uh, thank God I, I haven't uh, been knocked unconscious yet. Uh, but and I'm sure my day's coming. But it's it's one of those things that the way that I fall and the way that uh, I'm able to recover, it, it's it's really like 
amazing to me that that I can keep fighting through and and th- there's so many mental games just in that fight alone I think I thought about quitting eight times like I have this weird thing in my head where I count every time I think about quitting because I think we all go through it and I don't maybe it's just me but um I think we all go through it in these fights and uh and I think you have to like make peace with that with that quitting feeling and, and just be like, that's not you because, yep. you know, I've, I've had one time ever that I felt I just gave up and it was as an amateur and I, I didn't train hard. Right. And, and that, in that camp leading up to it, I just didn't put in the work that I should have. And, and it was, I learned a lot and I used to hang the um, little all access, all access pass up in my car just to remind me every day to, to work hard in the gym. And I think it's a, a Vince Lombardi quote. You hear it a lot. Uh, the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. And, and that's how, you know, I, it feels when, when I get put down like that, it's like, ah, oh, I've worked too hard to just give up. And I think what you said is so important about how you have to make peace with that feeling of wanting to give up. You, you don't ignore it. You don't push it to the side. You say, hey, I know I have these feelings and I'm going to accept them, but I'm not going to let them beat me. I'm going to beat these feelings. And I know that's going to be in me and that's going to be a part of me. And I'm just going to have to overcome it every single time. Because it seems like when you when you get those feelings and you try to ignore them and shove them aside, that's kind of when they get bigger and bigger and can overtake you because you, you get overwhelmed by it. They, they kind of come at you by surprise. But mm-hmm. acknowledging it early on and just saying, hey, I, I, I don't care. I'm going to overcome this. Mm-hmm. That's how you're able to actually say I'm, I'm pushing through and I'm going to, even if it comes up eight times in a fight, I can, I can overcome it. It's yeah. It's weird. Like when, even when I was in dominant positions, you, your get, your head plays this game with you. Like, is he just playing possum? Is he waiting for me to make a mistake? And then you start, you know, just thinking all these things when you should be focused on, you know, finishing the fight. Cause you're in a dominant position and, and, it's just it's just so wild that you could be completely winning a fight and still thinking about eh, I could I could go home and <laughs> you know be fine because when you got people that love you at home and, and people that you know when you're secure with yourself, um, I think that those ideas become like oh I could just go home it's fine you know but to your like if you've quit once you know how to deal with that I feel like you you need to you need yeah make peace with it and, and just confront those those demons and be like hey I'm gonna shut them up I mean Rose N- Rose Namayuna she's fighting tonight uh, she talks about it a lot you know she talks about just everything that goes into the fight and and there's so much so much mind power and every time your your head tells you something negative you just got to bark at it and say you know shut up and and tell yourself something positive and and give yourself those affirmations but i don't think enough fighters they i don't think they uh come to peace with that early enough you know it might take a, a hard fight to get them there you know but you can't run through everybody i'll tell you that much right is that something you think that people can train? Because I've seen, you know, when, when you got knocked down, you know, I've seen a high level UFC fighters get knocked down like that and the fight's over. For you to be able to come back up and then to dominate the rest of the fight, is that something that's 
you think naturally in you? Is that something that comes from having to fight your friend on a mattress when you're five years old and just that's been your life? Where do you think that comes from? Yeah, I think a little bit of both. I think that the, again, the harder you train, like you, it just means so much more to me. Um, this, this whole fighting stuff, you know, I, I feel like in general, I wake up thinking about fighting. I go to sleep thinking about fighting. Um, I go to sleep thinking about my students and how I can make them better. So just personally, the, the things in life that life has thrown at me, martial arts has helped me keep my head, head on straight and, and not think about everything that life wants you to, you know, to, to drag you down with. And it's just like, that's, if that's the only thing that really is means a lot to me, you know, like my students, uh, my in-home life, my, uh, my school, uh, my own career, you know, if I can just focus on those things, then the rest of life's challenges, they can't bring me down. You know, they can't keep me down. They can bring me down, but they can't keep me down. That's I, I say that all the time when I try to talk people into getting into jujitsu. I say it's it's the one thing I do where it my mind shuts off from everything else and I'm 100% present because when there's a guy on your back trying to yeah. choke you unconscious, you can't think of anything else. And it's exactly. there's it's weird to describe it as a piece, but it really is a piece that you have because you you're, you're I think especially in just in the world today, your mind's in a thousand different places for anyone. And this one task that you have is the one time where you're like, I will die if I'm not 100% focused. And and so yep. it, it, it forces you to just be present right, right. there. And, and yeah. you don't have a whole lot of that. So that's, to me, that's the number one aspect of martial arts that I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and jujitsu in, in general, I think that more people need that. You know, you know as well as I do that you, you come home feeling like you got hit <laughs> with a ton of bricks, you know, and, and, all the things that you're questioning, like, why did I get caught in that arm bar? You know, it just makes you a better human because you're you're forced to acknowledge yourself as a whole. And if you don't, you keep getting beat up and you yep. keep getting beat up. Yep. And it takes a special person to get beat up and come back. I've seen so many people just being a, a gym owner um, in and out, in and out, right? And they'll, they'll come, try it out. They'll tell me how much they loved it and then I'll never see them again. Yeah. Right. And it's like, okay, if you really love it, you're going to be content with getting beat up every single day and then coming right back. It's like it's we were talking about this earlier. I mean, I I think it's an ego thing is that you have to be willing to say, I'm okay getting beat up and losing because that's how I'm going to get better. And that's how I'll learn. That's the only way you're ever going to learn. You have to check that ego from day one when when you start. Cause it's for, it's, it's a year, it's a year, it's two years of literally just getting choked up, choked out every single day, every single day. And even after that, you're, you're still losing pretty often. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's always somebody out there better than you and, and some conflicting style that, that can deal with you, you know, no problem. Yeah. What, so coming from a boxing background, what, what, was getting into jujitsu, like, you know, learning that, that grappling, because I would have guessed that you had the jujitsu background from that fight. Again, Mm -hmm. the way you, you sunk in that body triangle and and controlled him on the ground was black belt level. So I I was, I'm curious when jujitsu kind of came into that and, and how you took to that coming from a striking background. 
Yeah, I think it just made more sense to me because being the little guy, uh, you're able to win more in jujitsu than in kickboxing, right? Like, I know right now I got a, a 205 pounder getting ready for a fight and, and we kickbox all the time. But I know that if he was really trying to knock my head off with a punch, he probably could right just because of weight and and size right but in jiu-jitsu it's just a whole different game these guys like i i don't have to be so worried on the ground with somebody who's 205 pounds like or 245 pounds once we're getting above like 300 then it gets a little different but i mean jiu-jitsu there's so many as a little guy, there's so many avenues that I go based off of how big my and and strong my opponent is and their base and, and stuff like that. And if they're my size, I, ca- I can do, you know, effectively my own style, right? But I have to have a different style based on who I'm rolling with. And, and with bigger guys, I have like my go-to moves that I do to every big guy, you know, and it's like, it works nearly every time, you know, depending on skill level. And so, you know, like it's, it just, it makes more sense to me mm-hmm. that I can, I can hang with these bigger guys and, uh, and yeah, just being the smaller guy, you, you have to, you have to find something to deal with these bigger guys. Cause in, in my gym, when I first started, uh, it was the closest guy to me was a hundred and, 75 pounds i think and i was a buck 35 you know walking around and so yeah it's just you have to figure those things out and figure those things out quick because the bigger man it's just it's such an advantage and and there are advantages for littler guys too you know we we squirm out of things easier we have more speed stuff like that but um, I think that if we're talking on a on a scale like a big scale size and 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 you know weight are way more of an advantage than speed and and stuff like that. So yeah, and that, that's jujitsu to me has always been the great equalizer. That's why I love it because I'm I'm about twenty pounds heavier than you, but significantly shorter. So I was always a smaller guy too, and right. and learning oh there are ways that I can I can beat a bigger guy in a fight if I have to. It gives mm-hmm. you gives you some confidence and, and it, it makes you in a way having that confidence makes you less likely to fight. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just you're like, all right, I know I can take care of myself if I have to. I don't need yeah. to go out and try to prove anything. And that's I always I recommend that to you know, and when I talk to parents who have smaller kids, I say you gotta get them into some sort of grappling, if it's wrestling, jujitsu, whatever, because that's where you can learn as a smaller guy how to control a fight. Yeah, hundred percent. Talk to me about when did you decide, hey, I think I can really pursue this? Like what was that first time you said i want to compete in mma i want to actually fight someone so at first it was just um just training because again it it did so much for me like starting out and i was always the littler guy and hanging out with friends i would go into a party and i just feel like everybody's like kind of looking down on you like oh there's you know whoever whoever it may be just because they when you get sized up and you feel insecure you're like, oh man, I'm I'm the little guy in here, and and you know, so so I didn't feel confident a lot of times, and and when I 
started training, yeah, it gave me that confidence and it gave me the confidence to not have to compare myself to anybody in the room, right? And that alone just changed my life, really changed my perspective on on social interaction, you know, like I don't have to go into a room thinking what is the next guy thinking about me, yeah. you know, because I'm secure with myself. And and so yeah, it was one of those things. <laughs> And so when you took that first pro fight, so how many amateur fights did you have? Um, I had 15 amateur fights. Um, and I, once I started training and, and it was, again, it was just to train to, um, just to, to learn the martial arts and, and get better. And then, uh, we had a promoter come in and he was the owner of the the gym that we were training at and the event center that we were training at. And he asked, okay, who here would want to fight if we had mixed martial arts fights in North Platte? And a bunch of guys raised their hand and I'm, everybody's looking at me like, why aren't you raising your hand? And I was like, sure, you know, whatever, I'll fight, you know, right. just because I was kind of put on the spot. And, uh, and then it really didn't click with me that I could make this a thing until I started hanging with, um, you know, the amateur fighters and I'm, I'm winning sparring rounds, I'm winning jujitsu rounds. And I'm like, oh, this guy's got a 4-0 record, you know, like I could potentially be good at this, you know. Yeah. So, so, so you had your 15 amateur fights, you're doing well. At what point do you say, hey, maybe I can make some money doing this? Um, I think I realized early that, um, that route was like the whole getting paid route wasn't like, cause I had hung around pro fighters and I'm seeing what they're getting paid. And then I'm seeing the entry level at the UFC and I'm like, okay, this, this isn't terrible money, but, um, there is routes. You can go alternative routes, you know? Um, but once I hit probably four and oh, five and oh, as a pro fighter, I was like, at that moment, I was like, UFC had, had been a goal since I was an amateur, like that I was always in my head because I think that you should always be fully in if you're doing something like with fighting, I don't want to be one foot in one foot out, you know, like if I was competing for amateur titles, like I wanted to eventually work towards a world title and i ha i would always say that um but i don't know if i truly believed i could do it you know until you you win a fight that you didn't think you could win and then you're like okay i could i could potentially pursue this and and so yeah the whole time you know i was saying i want to win a world title win a world title but don't know if i truly believed it right but then when I was like four and oh, five and oh, as a professional, then it started to set in like, okay, yeah, I think I could, I could make this work. And I, were you still working a day job at that time? Cause I, when I was training and working at a law firm, you know, I'd, I'd walk into work with a black guy or, wow. you know, I'd, I'd broken my nose a couple of days before. And it was always, I feel like I'd, I was in fight club cause I, I have to explain all these injuries to, you know, the, the right. senior partners. And so what were you working while you were, I'm sure you were, especially as an amateur, what was, mm -hmm. how are you balancing that schedule? Yeah. So I worked in my entire amateur career, you know, 40 hours a week. Um, and then when I decided to fight as a pro, 
I, I always thought again with the, I wanted to be fully in, like I told myself and I, me and my mom, uh, had a huge argument about it because, uh, you know, she comes from a hard working class family and, and she was like, you need to make money. But when I, when I made my pro debut, I was like, I'm done working. I'm just going to train people, you know, do the whole, uh, personal trainer, uh, teach people martial arts and, and go from there. And it wasn't like with an intent to open a school that happened later. I just was training at the gym that I was at and, and, um, the guy who owned it was like, yeah, you could, you can train people. That's no problem. And I was like, awesome. awesome. Yeah. 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 So then, yeah, they, that's what it was, was just me training people and, and training myself. And, and yeah, I remember as an amateur, um, losing fights you know losing amateur fights for titles and stuff and then going back to work and and everybody like the second you lose an amateur fight and i feel bad for amateur fighters who are who are taking these tough fights and you know losing because uh i just remember everybody being like are you done yet oh yeah okay have you had your fun it's like it was one of the most annoying frustrating questions i had to deal with as an amateur i'm sure because they they don't see what's inside of you they don't see that hey i'm killing myself for this and i'm gonna keep going no matter what they think like you said oh you're just having some fun you want to test yourself out and as soon as you lose all right obviously you're not good enough to be a pro so go find a real job yeah yeah that's what they think yeah so when you decide to go pro you know i it's it's not like someone going pro in the NFL where it's like they have a press conference, they they declare for the draft. There's a whole system for going pro in mm-hmm. other major sports. In in MMA, what's that process look like from going to amateur to pro? How did you find that first pro fight? Yeah, uh thankfully I was um I had a good group of of guys around me who believed in me. And we have a hometown promotion and Russ Jones owns Midwest championship fighting. And it's funny you mentioned law firm because he's, he's a law guy. Okay. And, and so he, he's like probably the best lawyer here in town. Uh, and everybody, he's a really recognizable um, figure here in a town of 30,000 people. So him promoting fights, uh, it was just, you know, really cool to work with him and, and grow a connection between him and I. And, and then, you know, there's other local promotions that I was fighting for and had good relationships with. So just fighting basically everybody on the regional scene and, and my state and beating the guys that were, you know, relevant and, and doing really well, um, was kind of the goal at first, like guys I had watched growing up and, and guys who were fighting as pro on the regional scene, and then just kind of going after them and, and again, having that support from, from Russ and, and, and Midwest championship fighting and then dynasty combat and, and just growing through, through those two promotions and then venturing off, going to King, uh, King of the cage, um, LFA, all kinds of different promotions and, and just kind of with, with, Becoming a pro, yeah, like you said, there's not a real blueprint in a sense. There's just you fight as many fights as you can, stay consistent because the UFC likes consistency and they like good quality opponents, right? So 
you build up this resume of consistency and, and the best opponents on the regional scene. And then eventually you go out and fight a, a bigger name who will get you recognized. And, and, and that was the, the issue for, for a while. I was, I think, eight and oh, nine and oh. And I was thinking, you know, they should be come calling, you know, soon enough. And they're like, we need to see you on a nationally broadcasted, um, you know, event. They were telling my manager at the time, like, like LFA. And so we reached out to LFA, got on an LFA fight. And then the call came shortly after oh, that. So yeah, they need to, they need to be able to see you as well as, you know, see your, your stats and stuff like that. So, so your manager, you know, you're building up this, this pro record, you're nine and zero. your manager, does he reach out to the UFC and say, Hey, I got this fighter. Who's, who's about ready for you guys. Is he sending, like, I, I think back to, I had buddies in high school who were trying to play football at the college level. And I helped them edit together highlight tapes that they would send yeah. to the colleges. Is it something like that where your manager's sending stuff to the UFC to, to show you off? Yeah, very similar. So they were actually planning it on coming to Lincoln um, and doing a show. And then uh, he helped with that show. My manager had uh, at the time had helped with that show. And he's got a list full of guys that are you know, kind of killing it on the regional scene, like Dakota Cochran. Um, let's see who else was there at the time. Cassius. Uh, and then I can't even remember. There's, there's a couple other guys that, you know, he's trying to get onto that, that Lincoln show. Uh, and, you know, he, he told them, well, I got Ryan McDonald. Um, do you want to, you know, put him on there? He's a good seller, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, this is what we know about him, and this is what we want to see from him. We want to see him on, on a nationally broadcasted event, you know. And so, that's what we did. And then after that, I got a short notice call. So awesome. And so, was it that first fight with the UFC then that you were dealing with? What happened with your brother? Do, can we- um. Yeah. So, I think that was short. I'm trying to remember timelines, but. Uh, I was probably six and zero or seven and zero at that time, um, and then yeah, he he came to me with the contender series thing, and and that's when we uh, probably when the UFC caught notice of me, and we were going to do that fight, and then my brother passed, and then making the tough decision to pull out on like a week's notice, and so um, from there on out, you're kind of that was the longest layoff I had taken from MMA. I trained or I took a whole, I think it was a whole month off of training. And, you know, so it's like, you're trying to get back to it, get back to training, get back to fighting and then get recognized again. So yeah, it was kind of bumpy a little bit there. And, and it took quite a, it's probably a year or two uh, until they, started with that Lincoln show and then we started to talk to him again, but, but yeah, it was, it was kind of bumpy. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, was it, was it a tough decision to not take that UFC fight? Cause this is your, I mean, your dream, you're waiting for this call from the UFC, they give yeah. it to you. And then, you know, you have this tragedy. Was it, was it tough or did you know, Hey, I, I've got to be there for my family. Um, it was tough. Like super, like probably Till this day, the the toughest decision I've made, um, but I'm still thankful for it, you know. Uh, and it, it's it's even more tough when you have your family thinking that you should have done the other thing. Like at the time, 
everybody just expects you to be this hero, right? And they're like, you you got to do it. You got to do it for for Kyle. And 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 it's like, I'm gonna I'm a real emotional guy in the first place. So it's like I know that it wouldn't have been me inside the cage, you know, that night. And just because my head would have been so many other places. And like I said, I took that whole month after that off of the gym. So my head, if I was in the right mindset to fight, I would have been training, you know? And so I know that I wasn't, I wasn't there. Even if I would have tried to channel some, you know, some kind of hidden emotion to, to train and get through it and, and earn a contract. But, um, yeah, it was, it was super tough because they didn't exactly agree with the decision. I mean, a couple of days later they did, but they're like, you got to do this. You got to do it. You know? And I'm just like, I don't think, and again, I don't think they know how much goes into fighting because they're not, you know, they're not fighters. They're my family, but, um, there's just so many different emotions out there. And when your head's not in the game, it's, it's a whole different ball game and it's scary. It's life or death, you know, somebody right. can die out there. So, right. It's not going to benefit you if your, your head's not in it and you go in and get knocked out in the first round. Yeah, exactly. It was, was the UFC understanding or, you know, they've got a million guys who are ready to step up and take the fight. So you probably didn't know if you were going to get another shot after that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I just remember being in tears and being so upset and, writing out this whole text message to Mick Maynard and and I was like seconds away from sending it before my manager called me and I was just like bawling to him about you know like why I had to make the decision I I made just because you know there was a whole house that needed cleaned um you know we needed to disperse of all his stuff set up his funeral and and within my family, I've always been like the mediator, the, the strong rock that everybody comes to brings their, their problems to. And I know that even if they would have wanted to, they couldn't have, you know, they, they would have brought all that stuff on me anyhow, you know? Right. Um, and so I was just thankful after the fact that, um, I got to be there for them and, and with everybody and, and yeah, it's, it's still a, it's a good memory of our last memories yeah. with my brother. So Yeah. It's it's weird how like tragedy can bring you closer together. You know, it gives you something mm-hmm. the rest of the family to to unite over. And it's almost it's like the last gift that he gives the family is that yeah. there's this event that happens that you guys can come together over and, and it's it's a weird human thing that it, it takes something like that to to bring people closer together. You took a month off of training. What, was there a moment when you said, all right, I got to get back into this? Or what, what was it that made you get started again? Probably, uh, and those same guys I spoke about earlier, uh, Taylor McKeeman, uh, he's he's a great, just a great student, great training partner, just a great guy in general. But I remember being there and like contemplating if, like just being so down in the dumps and contemplating if, like even a running a school was what I wanted to do. And and I remember it was tough times like where, again, we come from a small town, so it, it's tough to get people in the door um, and it's tough to pay the bills when, you know, your membership at the time was only like 45 bucks, 50 bucks. 
and and the rents due and you know like all i could want to do was sit at home and and you know mourn the death of my brother so uh yeah it, it was a team effort and the fact that taylor kind of rounded up everybody as far as my gym and and he, he i didn't ask him to do it and i didn't expect nobody to do it but he rounded up memberships um he he made sure that the place stayed open i honestly probably at that point um wouldn't have had the money to pay um for rent and stuff like that and and yeah he rounded up the money from all the students and and he came to me with a bunch of money for rent and was like here this is what yeah and and we lived together we were roommates and and so like it's yeah he's just an crazy incredible guy for doing that and and looking after me i mean he he loves the gym as much as i do you know and and has been there since the beginning so i'm i'm sure he was how i am now like i'm never gonna let this thing go you know like I, there's been so many times for it to go with covid and and that and and just so many other times that um uh, and god's got us through it you know that's the the only reason there's so many times where i'm like i'm not sure i'm going to pay the rent and and uh, a buddy of mine just reaches out hey i want to help blah 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 it's like Man. It's, it's, yeah some of the craziest things well that's it's a testament to how you are as a as a coach and a friend of that people are willing to do that that not everyone has people in their lives who can step up like that or who want to step up like that. So that's something you've done, something you've created. And okay. we didn't even talk about when, when in your career did you decide you wanted to open up your own gym? Where did that come in? Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of a forced thing. Um, the gym we were at uh, was called Top Tier. Uh, and they're still around here in, in town. Uh, but it's not a real competitive gym anymore. Uh, we were training and, and I was coaching, uh, like the MMA fighters and, and, and me and the gym owner, uh, just had some, you know, disagreements on, on certain things. I had trained at gyms all over the country and, and kind of had seen the, the blueprint for how you should train, um, you know, what we should be doing on a day and day, day basis. Um, and then how, the the big the big thing for me was uh, how normal people like normal everyday people who just want to learn martial arts how they should be involved in the gym too and I remember day one guys coming in and getting to spar with the fighters spar hard with the fighters and it's like that should never be a thing like there's just too many people getting hurt and never coming back and it was just talk around town that we we're the big bullies just picking on everybody and for me it was just like we need a team practice with our fight team and then we can have our normal everyday basics class if the fighters want to go to basics class that's fine they have to know they have to be mindful of who they're training alongside and take care of everybody but you know that's that's how it should be ran and so we just had a couple disagreements on how thing how i thought things should go and and i tried to sit down and and kind of explain uh my point of view and and uh hear his out and and that it just didn't mesh and and so um at one point i just decided 
he came to me and he was like, well, if you, cause I, he told me that I could run class the way that I had wanted to. And then I came up and he must've gave it a second thought. And, but when I came up to the gym and decided to run it that way, um, he was like, if you don't need this gym, then, then get out of here. And, and so I ended up doing so. And, and I remember, I think like 10 guys walking out of practice with wow. me, leaving like two or three left in the gym. And, and I lived in a two bedroom apartment at the time. And there was 13 guys, 14 guys in my apartment just sitting there like, what are we doing next, coach? What are we doing? And I'm like, okay, I'm opening a gym, I guess. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> With no money, no real money. You know, I'm like, what are we going to do? So how'd you do it? I mean, where, where'd you get the initial money to get the gym going? Again, it's another one of those unspeakable things that just happened, right? Like, uh, I remember two days after I left the gym, uh, a buddy of mine, Nick Sutton, from Kearney, which is 90 miles down the road, he called me and said, hey, uh, do you know anybody who needs wrestling mats? And I was like, how do these things happen? You know, it, it's just blessings. Yeah. And uh, so I made a post shortly after I had wrestling mats. And I'm like, anybody know about, you know, an open area? And because at the time, I think I was 23, 24 years old. I didn't know how to open a business. And and so I was just like, anybody know about some somewhere to rent and and uh, stuff like that? And that's how we yeah. how we got it going. A, a lady messaged me from there and was like, "We got this building. It's really rough around the edges. You'll have to work on it, but you don't have to pay the first two months." And and I didn't have any money, so I was like, "Perfect, Deal. right? <laughs> Let's do it." And yep. Oh, that's it awesome. All worked itself out. Well, and again, I think it's it's you, your personality, and the culture you created. Because, like you said, the the culture of the gym really, really matters in, in terms of its success. I got lucky. The first gym that I trained at University Grappling in Utah, we we had professional fighters at that gym, and they would train with with the white belts. But they understood, hey, you're training with white belts. You're training with guys who who have day jobs who aren't doing this for a career. Mm-hmm you don't go hundred percent with these guys. And that was the culture. It, it was, yep. you're, you're here to help. If you're a pro fighter and training with white belts, you're there to teach them. Even if you're not the instructor for the class, you're there to teach them. If right. not go to the fight class, right? But that, that culture was strict and it, it permeated every class and, and mm-hmm. every member of that gym, they understood this is how you're going to behave when you're in these classes. And it, it makes it so easy as a new guy coming in to be like, Man, I'm I'm learning from these pro fighters, and and feel super welcome. Exactly, exactly. You you feel super welcome, and you feel like, wow, it's cool. I'm I'm training with pro fighters. Yeah. There, there's everyone benefits from it, and and mm-hmm. it, it makes you you want to go see their fights now. And I'm you know I'm going to fight every weekend now to watch these guys because they're yeah. they're my guys. Mm-hmm. And that that culture is so huge. And I like you said, I think especially these guys with this old school mentality like you said if you don't want to be here then leave yeah it's like fine you know fine, we'll, yeah. we'll do it and we'll do it we'll do it the right way so that's I'm talking about it this morning too and it's it's unfortunate that it happened that way like i wish that we could all come together because we need all the training partners we can get in a town of thirty thousand. you know sure. uh, but i remember them saying uh they're only going to last till December. We opened in October of 2016 and they're only going to last till December. And five years later, yeah, we're, 
we're still kicking it. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. And you had you had a huge contingent come out to Fort Wayne, Indiana from Nebraska. I mean, again, that's just a testament to mm-hmm. to your success and the culture you created that so many guys came out to watch you fight. Yeah. And they were they were great guys. I mean, it was it was cool talking to them. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about so you know, you, you had to turn down the contender series fight, deal with deal with your brother's death. You took a couple, you took a little bit of a break. Then you took a couple fights outside the UFC. Again, you built your record up. I think you were you were ten and zero. Mm-hmm. And then the UFC comes calling again. Did were you expecting that next call, or how did that work out? Yeah, uh, I mean a little bit. I had I was going to fight another LFA fight um, after the last one, and I was dealing with like some back injuries um, and like a herniated disc. And so I decided because of like numbness, like there was numbness all the way down, like my, the back of my spine, um, in my low back that I was like, ah, we'll hold off on that LFA fight. And so my manager called me and, um, he told me, he was like, okay, so I know we spoke about not fighting, um, LFA, right. He was like, cause it was coming up in like two or three months, the LFA show was, and he's like, but what if there's a bigger call? And I was like, um, like, what are we talking? He's like, like fighting in Nashville. I can't even remember the date, but it was sometime in March. He's like fighting in Nashville in March. And then I was like, well, like what promotion, you know? And then he's like, well, UFC. And I was like, uh, we can get healthy. Yeah, we'll make a work. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we can get healthy. And uh, it was on Valentine's Day that he called. The fight was like five weeks from from Valentine's Day. So um, I was like, yeah, let's we'll get healthy and, and we'll make it happen. And uh, yeah, we did so. And, and unfortunately, it didn't go the way, you know, that I had wanted it to. But, um, you know, you, I learned so much just from that experience that uh, – I think in the long run, I'm going to be super happy with, you know, the, the cards that I was dealt for sure. What was the feeling of being at a UFC event? Like, is, is there, is it an entirely different atmosphere from what you experienced before? Is it, is it similar? How, how does the UFC compare to, to the other promotions? Yeah. Um, yeah. It, everything's, everything's lined up for you. You know, there's no real uncertainties and, and I remember, you know, on the regional scene where you're in a, say, a lower level promotion and, and they don't have itineraries and they don't have um, really much of anything for you to do. You don't you don't really know. You have to message the promoter when you show up in town and be like, hey, where are our hotels? You know, like stuff like that. And, and there's been even times with shadier promotions where you show up and you expect your hotel because that's how the game you're supposed to get uh travel pay and, and you know lodging and, and they'll be like oh well we didn't discuss that and it's like that's <laughs> we shouldn't have to discuss that <laughs> that should be a part of the fight you know um has that happened to you where you oh, yeah. you showed up and they didn't have a hotel for you and yep. so you just have to pay it out of pocket yep <laughs> yeah yeah, so it's it's one of those things, and you'll never fight for that promotion again, yeah. obviously, right? But uh, but the UFC is there's none of that. You walk in, and from the moment you walk into the hotel, you're dealt with, or, or even when you show up at the airport, you're you're met by a UFC representative, and they're 
um, athletes relations per people people and they're super nice and they just have everything lined up for you they give you their phone number right off the bat like do you need anything here it is you know so uh they get a bad rap but they they definitely know what they're doing in this game and and there's no uncertainties for sure yeah oh that's awesome Mm -hmm. so you had a second fight with ufc also didn't go your way did you end up did did they just say hey we're, we're dropping you at this point what happened after that second fight yeah, that one was probably the most uh, tough for me just because I it was very similar to how I got knocked down um, in this last fight. And I'm not one to like really like dwell on, on getting a rematch, but if there was any rematch on, in my career that I would want, it would be Luis Smolka. Yeah. And, and that, yeah, it was just such a a moment for me that I was like, I was still in that fight. I remember getting put down and, and again, that same focus was in my eyes that I had on Saturday. And I, I hooked his leg like as if to go for like a De La Hiva, um, in the Nogi, you know, like it's not as, not as strong, you know, an outside De La Hiva, but I was still thinking that clearly, you know, to hook and inside hook with my foot. Like if, if you're hurt and you can't, fight i don't think that that's coming you know straight to straight to memory most people just look like a deer in the headlights and don't know where they're at but if if you go back and watch the fight you can definitely tell how how in i was and i remember thinking oh we're grappling now like i remember that in my head like okay cool we're grappling now and yeah the ref you know they're they're new to the ufc as well it was a uh uh vancouver ref okay so I'm sure just like it is with fighters, like it's your big moment to shine. Um, that is their job too, you know, and, and it's their, I'm fairly certain it was one of his first events for the UFC. Um, and, you know, I can't blame him for it, but I think he jumped the gun a little bit. Uh, but before the even getting dropped, that's probably the best I've ever felt um, in the cage. And so I, during the whole fight, I was just having so much fun. And then there's not many moments where you get clipped in, in my career where I've gotten clipped and still want to throw down. And like, I was still fight rather than flight in that situation. And I was still trying to, and that's probably why I got put down. But uh, when I got rocked, I was still throwing at him and, yeah. and just having so much fun. And, and again, feeling the best I had ever felt inside that cage and, and yeah, so it, it was tough for the referee to jump in that early, but it is what it is. Yeah, I know. It, it, that hurts. It hurts. You feel like, okay, mm-hmm. I can take a loss when I've been beaten, but when I feel like I'm still yep. going and the ref jumps in, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, come on. I still had, I still had fight in me. Yeah. That first, the first UFC fight, were you still dealing with the back injuries? Like, do, do you feel like, hey, maybe I, I, sh- you know, I shouldn't have taken this fight or I wish I at least had more time to recover from the back injury? I think. I, I wouldn't really pin it on that. I think more, I was more out of shape because of the back okay. injury. Like, I think I was in a good point to where it was starting to get more healthy, but I hadn't really trained hard in quite some time. And and like the difference between me not fighting sick, cause I haven't fought in two years. Right. And this last fight I had trained those entire two years, you know, it's not like I had, like was training once a week or, you know, like this, this last two years I was training nearly every day 
Um, and before that, that fight with Chris, uh, yeah, when, with the back injury, you have to let things heal up. You can still afford to train maybe, you know, once a week or something, you know, get in where you fit in type of workouts that aren't going to hurt the back. But, uh, but yeah, it was, I was definitely not in the greatest shape to start camp. Yeah. So, so after the smoke of fight, how does, how does that conversation with the UFC go? Did, like, did you, did you sign any kind of multi-fight contract or was it, you know, the, the one fight that you signed the second fight and then after the second fight, do they just say, uh, we're, we're not going to sign you to the next one? How, how does that all work out? So you find, you sign a, uh, four fight deal and, uh, in the contract, they can, you know, terminate your contract at any moment. Um, so yeah, that's what happened. I was scheduled to fight, um, you know, four times. And I think that, I think it's like, I think they have to offer you a certain amount of fights per year, something okay. like that. But yeah, it's a four fight deal and they have to offer however many fights per year. And, uh, after that second fight, I was expecting it a little bit because you hear about the O and two and you're out type of stuff, um, in the UFC. So like, I was really hard on myself and I remember calling, uh, my manager and like telling him like, Hey, get on the phone with Mick and tell him how much this means to me. Like, give me one more, like, you know, like, but yeah, they, they made their decision. And so, you know, Hey, I had to live with it, but, but again, it's not, like with the UFC, I enjoyed my time there. Um, I learned a lot about myself, but like, I'm not, I don't need the UFC, right? I don't think anybody needs the UFC. Um, but there's a lot of people that see it that way, you know, like that's the end all be all for, for fighting. I'm glad that there's other promotions and there might be other promotions that fit me better personally, because I'm not the, you know, boisterous shit talking guy, you know, that's going to give the UFC their headlines. Right. Um, so like one championship there, you know, kind of more my style, real respect, respectful and stuff like that. And the martial arts honor. And, and so there's, there's other places out there, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I would like to fight for the UFC sure. again because it was such an awesome experience. But and you're not locked into any additional fights with the UFC. Once they let you go go off that four fight contract, even if you only did two fights, you can go with Bellator one or or PFL right. anywhere you want to after that. Okay. Oh yep. that's good. That's interesting to know. Mm-hmm. So and so I, yeah I wanted to ask you about your style because because I've seen yeah you're not the brash you're not you know Colby Covington's fighting tonight. Everyone knows his personality. You know Conor McGregor obviously you're more George St. Pierre, you just kind mm-hmm. of let the fighting speak for itself. Is that a conscious decision you make or you just say, hey, I, this is just my personality. I'm not a brash guy. I'm not going to try to pretend to be one just to try to get more eyeballs. Yeah, I mean, I like the showmanship type of stuff. Like, I don't necessarily like the, uh, I don't know, trash talking mid fight. Like the, I think like a guy like, um, what's that Kevin What's Kevin's last name? Kevin Lee? Uh, no, the the 85-pounder that's been talking in his fights, but he's real funny. I don't... 
I, 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 I keep thinking Kelvin Gastelum, but that's not no 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 Kevin. Kevin, I can't remember. Uh, I'll, I'll have to pull it up after. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, you know, like the real funny guys, uh, like having having a good time. You know, like you don't have to like talk. Like I remember it. I can't remember what I was saying to Willie, but in the third round when I took him down, I said something like I was on top of him and I was like something about how much fun this is and and sorry for hitting him and stuff like that. Like just fun gamesmanship. And, and, you know, I do my my Dragon Ball Z Kamehameha and and like just stuff that like gets the crowd involved and 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 fun. Like I don't want to go in there and be a a Fedor, you know, like a robot and like i feel like that's kind of boring right but um but i also i I enjoy people enough to not get so invested in oh he's trying to take my paycheck oh he's he's trying to take food off my table like that's not the that's not my personality right and and i don't get offended because somebody signed a contract like i fight my best friends literally every day so like why would i you know just start talking crap to them because they're training with me, you know, like this doesn't make sense, but sure. So you mentioned you took two years off between the the last UFC fight and this fight last week. And obviously there was COVID in the middle that threw everyone off their schedule. Was that the main reason why there was such a big break for you? Or was there something else? Yeah. um, COVID. I mean, with all there is to talk about with COVID uh, it's, it was mainly the gym and, and getting, you know, the funds to keep it open and, and, you know, try and stay busy with, you know, personals and, and to just to keep the doors open because, you know, I remember days where there was people sitting outside our door. And when Taylor, that same student I talked about who cornered me, he walked into the gym and some lady was like, Hey, what are you guys doing in there? Like we're doing jujitsu. Like, we're, he's like we're practicing social distancing and she's like uh well i'll send my son over there i think he'd like it it's okay like, yeah so people just yeah being real weird yeah, and be careful yeah 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 sketchy and and trying to what a weird time man like it to, to have to worry about your neighbors ratting you out just feels like how you just don't expect that to happen in america yeah yeah it was wild uh but we, you know, we got through it and, uh, and now the gym is prospering more than it ever has. Awesome. And I don't have to worry about paying rent every month. Like I remember there was times where I'm like, okay, I need to figure out something. I need to loan some money from my, my parents and, you know, just all, all over the place. And, and those were challenges as it is. And I remember fighting, you know, and if I didn't make my, my win purse, I was thinking, oh shoot, like we're going under, you know? And so, yeah, that was, that was the whole thing was COVID. And, and thankfully I had my good group of guys that stayed through it and, and, you know, they weren't worried about getting sick. And, and so at at one point we had to move our jujitsu practices to my garage and, and because people were, you know, getting weird that we were still rolling and, and so, uh, yeah, we did jujitsu in the garage, but we, we stayed open the entire time and, and did kickboxing and, and stuff like that. So oh, that's yeah, awesome. Stuff. So yeah, if you, anyone who's in the North Platte area, obviously, I mean, Ryan, 
just his fighting style is a style that you want to emulate. And again, I, I talk to guys from your gym. They're just great guys. I think they'd be great guys to train with. So anyone in the North Platte area, check out the gym. Am I pronouncing it right? Is it, I know it's a play on your zip code, 691 on one. Is that right? Yep. yep. Great. Perfect. Um, right. Oh, before we go, I do have to ask you. So UFC 268 is tonight. Do you have picks for the fight? Yes. Um, let's see. So Gaethje's actually trained at my gym. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Justin's awesome guy. So I'm going to have to take the bias, uh, choice for that uh, and go with Justin uh, but I, I'm a real big fan of Rose uh, obviously I talked about her um, so I'd like to see those two win I know it's kind of conflicting for me to be the guy I am and want Colby to win <laughs> uh, but I do like Colby because of similar reasons right he he was on the verge of getting cut yep. and then now he brought out this old school wrestling persona and so to me, more than anything, it's funny. Yeah. I don't really like the comments about Kamaru's dad and stuff. And like, he does make some, some stupid comments, but I do like Colby's fighting style. And I have watched a couple videos of him training with amateurs and you like really get a lot of respect for Colby for, for taking care of his team. And, and he's at like a, a kind of a smaller team now, but like he really he really works well with the amateurs and, and takes care of them and teaches them. And, and yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen it, go check out uh, Colby's uh, sparring rounds with his amateur teammates. It's really cool. To, yeah. I haven't seen those. I'll have to watch that. Mm -hmm. I feel the same exact way about Colby. Like I grew up with the old school martial arts mentality as I, I yeah. love GSP and those guys, but I also love a good heel. And I think there's so yeah. few guys in the UFC. It seems like who, who are happy being the heel, happy being the bad guy. Right. And Colby uh -huh. takes that and runs with it. So that, it, it's as long as you can just laugh at it and have fun with it. I, he's, he's just a, a really entertaining guy. So I'm hundred percent sure. with you. Uh, do you, do you have anything coming up? Do you have any fights planned? What, what's, what's your future look like? Yeah. So, um, not, not necessarily. I just plan on taking a couple months off just to heal my brain. Um, uh, and then artist scrap, man, they've done a great job. Um, uh, I'm really good friends with Mike Lee, uh, the owner, and uh, he's he's actually affiliating with us for jujitsu. So um, we're gonna have the same jujitsu tie, um, and and he, they're just great people, and and they they know what they're doing as far as marketing, and and, and yeah, their their show's killing it. So hopefully, bring some guys out to their show. Um, MCF, we're uh, here in North Platte, Midwest Championship fighting. I actually match make for midwest championship oh, cool. fighting yeah so um i'm not imagine making this card because i obviously fought but uh we there's some really good fights on that show so um if you can check out midwest championship fighting um, there's a couple belts behind me from from when i fought and competed here in my hometown but yeah give them a uh, a like and, and a follow because um their event on veterans day is going to be awesome and i'm excited for that but uh, enough rambling. I'll, pro I'll probably fight in the uh, next five or six months. Awesome. Sure. Awesome. And I have to give a shout out to Art of Scrap as well because they put on such a professional production, man. They I did. was impressed the entire time. It, it Third just, show too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The show was great. It just, it felt like a, a professional event. So it was, it was really cool to be there and see what mm -hmm. they did. Where can people find you online? I know what's your, tw your Twitch stream. Give me that. Yeah. Uh, I think it is underscore. Let's see. Main event Mac, I believe. Okay. Let, me, that, let me check. Your main out. event Mac on Instagram, mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah, I believe all my handles are uh, main event Mac. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Well, Ryan, hey, I appreciate your time, man. Again, I'm looking forward to following you the rest of your career. Yeah. You're you're a great fighter. You're you're a great guy. Uh, I'm glad your gym's doing well. I hope it continues to do well, man. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. I would love that. All right. Talk awesome. soon.